0: This episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast is brought to you by Fidipides, which is the authentic specialty running store in Atlanta, Georgia. There are two locations. Olympian Jeff Galloway founded Fidipides in 1975 with the goal of providing a home for the running community. And as many of you know, Jeff Galloway is a home for running communities across the nation and across the world. Jeff Galloway is the guest on today's show. And I hope you guys have a wonderful time listening to all of his wisdom. And if you're in the Atlanta area or stopping by, make sure to visit Fidipides.
1: Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Today's guest is the legendary Jeff Galloway, a man who has inspired millions of runners to not only take up running, but to smash their running goals wide open
0: and to do so without injury. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I am your host, Meredith Atwood, and I am here with a special hero in the running world, Jeff Galloway.
1: Meredith, great to be here.
0: Great to be here, and thank thank you so much for having me in your home, and we don't live that far from each other.
1: Well, you know, we're all part of a very cohesive community, and occasionally we live close to one another, yes. (laughs) That's
0: right. That's right. Well, most of you probably know who Jeff is. Jeff is just an icon in our running community, an Olympian, and just a nice guy. And you know what? Nice guys are hard to come by, Jeff. Well, thank you. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about just where you started.
1: When did you discover your love of running? I was forced to. Um, I my dad was in the navy. I went to thirteen schools my first seven years, and when I entered the eighth grade, new school, it was actually Westminster, okay, in the Atlanta area, and they required all boys to go out for strenuous athletics after school. Okay. Well, I didn't have any skills. I didn't have any conditioning. I was a, a fat, lazy kid, and. I floundered around the first quarter trying to play football, and it Uh was a disaster. And what
0: age was it? Was this high school?
1: It was eighth grade. Eighth grade, okay. So I was 13. Okay. And then I got to know some of the other lazy kids at school, and they...
0: (laughs) They find each other, right? Yes, they do. Uh,
1: So um, they were, most of them were going out for winter cross country, and I said... Well, that can't be easy. And they said, well, it is, because the cross-country coach is the most lenient in the school. Uh And you can lie to him and tell him you're going to run on the trails in the woods, and all you do is run out to the woods and hide out. (laughs) I actually did that for two days and then got caught by one of the older kids who came up to me and said, Galloway, you're running with us today. And I was going to grab my hamstring when I reached the woods and limp around, but they were funny. And then... They started telling gossip about the other kids, and I wanted to stay up to hear what I could, but I didn't make it far that first day. Uh On each successive day, my mission was to go a little further, and uh, two things uh, became apparent and really uh, sparked my love of running within the first week.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: First, even after a really hard workout, when I was physically destroyed, I felt better in my brain and in my spirit than I'd ever felt. And I wanted that to continue. Yeah. And the second was the friendships. The, and the, the bonding that occurred during that very first run day and that first season... Is really a blueprint for what I've used in our Galloway training programs in Atlanta and around the world. We now have uh, over 80 programs around, and it's all about getting people into pace groups so that they Mm -hmm. can pull off one another and share this experience. And I I did not show promise of being a talented runner. it took me until my senior year to qualify to get to the state championships, and Georgia was not a stellar state in, in track and field. Right. I just kept trying and, and didn't give up, but I kept getting those wonderful brain benefits and spirit yeah. benefits, and I didn't know what they were until I researched for my book, Mental Training.
0: Right, right. So, how did, but you, you became like a heck of a runner. I mean, what happened from eighth grade? I mean, did you just keep pushing? What what, did, what tools did you use and how did you become so great?
1: Well, you know, a lot of people assume that Olympians are the instant stars and would beat everybody when they first started. And that certainly was not the case with me. I think mainly because I didn't have any background in physical activity. So I had to build that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was getting so much out of the social part of my running and then also the brain benefits and uh, everything in my life changed. I was a struggling student. My uh, parents found my report card about 10 years ago and the principal wrote down at the bottom said if Jeff really applies himself during the second half of the year, he might be able to get into the top half of the class. I was at the bottom, Uh and and I was studying, but I wasn't focused. As soon as I got out there with those other kids, most of whom were on the honor roll, Mm -hmm. I realized I wasn't any dumber than they were. And so the (laughs) critical skills and debating topics as you get on a run and then uh, being able to... uh, uh, analyze things, carried right over. It also reset my expectations uh, academically and in every other area of my life. And mm-hmm. and running continues to do that.
0: Right. So let's talk a little bit about your accolades. I want everyone to know just how fast you were and are, for that matter. But let's talk about the big, the, the mile, right? The mile is your big claim to fame, right?
1: Well, actually, it... it uh, the mile eluded me as as my claim to fame i wanted that to be my stellar race back okay. in when i started running the mile was the big race and okay. i trained hard and had a chance my senior year to win the mile in the state finally i made it to the state finally i had a chance to win the state championship and it didn't happen i was just head to head with this other runner who had beaten me every race I'd run against him all year, and I was bound and determined to beat him. He got a lead on the backstretch. I couldn't catch up, and I finished second. Mm -hmm. And I was actually just just mentally destroyed. I I had qualified for the two-mile, but I told my coach I wasn't going to run it. Mm -hmm. And um, there were two hours between the uh, mile and the two-mile. By the time the two-mile came along... Mm -hmm. um, I decided I could win some points for the team, and maybe finishing sixth or seventh or something like that. So I was just going to jog through it. And okay. indeed, I, I started out at a jog. It was really hot. It was certainly over 95 degrees. Oh, wow. And it was run at uh, University of Georgia on their old uh, sort of dirt track over there, real dusty and everything mm-hmm. after all the races of that day. And... Um, it, it was quite miserable running, and uh, a lot of the guys went out too fast. I was in last place for the first, uh, oh, three or four laps, and then I just picked one or two runners off. And with one lap to go, I realized that I was in sixth place, and I, there were two runners ahead of me that were floundering. So I picked up my pace and passed one and then passed the other one as I was entering the backstretch of the last lap. So I'm in fourth place, but there's a runner right ahead of me who's really slowed down. So I passed him and I'm in third. Mm-hmm. And second place is also slowing down. I picked it up just another notch, and as I'm going around the curve, I move into second
0: place. Right.
1: <laughs> well, first place was way ahead. I mean, he was probably about 70 yards ahead, and it was only 110 yards left in the race. Mm-hmm but he was almost walking, he had hit the wall. So I gave it everything I had and right at the finish line I passed him and won the two mile. And and it was a come from behind victory. The interesting thing is that the same thing happened when I ran my Olympic trials. I was in the 10K, Uh, it was a hot day, I didn't have really any statistical chance of qualifying for the team i was ranked 12th and only three go and they Uh were all in the race and being about 90 95 degrees a lot of the runners went out too fast and paid dearly for it and i picked uh, i was in last place for one mile and Uh i just picked one after another and uh found myself in third place and then second place and qualified unexpectedly for the Olympic team. That's uh, awesome. But, you know, um, the 10K is what I made the team in. My, the marathon was my forte, right. but uh, I, uh, I helped a teammate of mine uh, qualify for that team. Uh, the marathon race mm-hmm. in my year, Mm -hmm. for Munich was one week after the 10k and he had not qualified and so I paced him throughout and then dropped back right at the finish line so he could be the official qualifier.
0: See you are a nice guy there is proof. (laughs) Well
1: I have uh, good mentors my uh, my two parents were uh, were saints so uh, you know
0: that's awesome. Well, so how, what, let's go back to the two miler and then qualifying for the trials. <laughs> what do you think now that you've spent all this time working on mental training and, you know, really refining the techniques that help make successful runners, what do you think about going into a race with no expectation? Cause it seems like in the two miler, you know you weren't expecting to do anything and then when when it came to the 10k and the trials you didn't have any expectations on yourself but you just took advantage of the moment like can you talk about that a little bit
1: yes and of course there are what i've learned from coaching i I have individually coached about ten thousand runners over the years and of course i've coached via email and other ways a lot more than that, mm-hmm. and so I hear from these folks every day, an average of about a hundred runners a day, and Goodness. so I'm constantly getting their feedback, giving them advice, finding out what works and what does not work. Now, when it comes to expectations, that indeed is the greatest source of stress that runners put on themselves when they enter a race, yeah. and I, I'm not going to say that you should not have any expectations, however. The more challenging the expectations are, the more stress you put on yourself. Now, that's what uh, really uh, gets into what my mental training book opened up for me as I did the research, and what I discovered is that we have two brain operating systems that we use regularly. One is the ancient subconscious monkey brain, and the other one, (laughs) is the conscious human brain okay. and um, the, the monkey brain has a million times the processing capability over our poor little human brain so we have to use it in a lot of most of the things we do okay. if we rely on it for running then it will monitor the stress buildup of our run and there will be significant stress buildup i mean by itself there's the exertive stress mm-hmm. there's the uh, stress due to heat and other weather condition. right and then you get into the goal stress for that season the goal stress for that day maybe expectations of family members friends whatever it is and if you allow the stress to build up too much then the monkey brain is going to trigger the release of anxiety and negative attitude hormones mm-hmm. make you miserable and less motivated to go on, and you don't tend to get in nearly as good a race. Now, contrast that with the way that I did run these two races that we've talked about, and numerous others, too. Uh, I won't say that I took all the stress off. I just did not put a lot of stress on for the first third of the race. Okay. And so I went out and just found my own pace at that point, Mm -hmm. but I purposely let it be easier, much easier than normal. Okay. And as a result of that, the body and the mind sort of start working together. If on the other hand, you're out there hammering and trying to go right at the edge of what you might physically be able to do, there's going to be a whole lot more stress buildup and the monkey brain is going to start dumping those hormones. Right. The other great thing about... Um, using the conscious brain versus the monkey brain is that you can control the hormones because once you have a strategy, Mm -hmm. uh, and a strategy for me starts, well, I'm going to use this amount of running, this amount of walking. You focus on that, you're in your human brain and you stay away from the monkey brain as long as you're focusing on that and some other strategies that you have. And when the human brain is in control, it overrides monkey brain. Yeah, no hormones are produced.
0: I totally believe in this. Um, I I use running in the context of triathlon, so I can, I kind of threw three sports into one when I started my oh. fitness journey, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but in Ironman Louisville in 2015, I had had a bike crash. I had been in a car crash leading up to it, so I was very undertrained going into it. And I remember thinking, okay, this run is going to be a Hail Mary. I'm going to do what Jeff would do. And I picked my intervals. I did a three. I think I did a three, three or four. I think I did a three, three. And I just stuck with it. And that was that human brain with my plan. And it ended up being my best race. And I was under-trained, but it was just, I was in And control. unexpected, Yes, too. and unexpected. And
1: so it's even more joyous, and it yeah. will live with you for the rest of your life in a very positive way.
0: So how did you come across the idea for your method?
1: Well, um, of course, the, the larger method is composed of a whole lot of cognitive tools, such as our magic mile, and how long you should run on long runs, how you should adjust your pace to make sure that the long runs don't tire you out or right. get you injured. But the run-walk-run part of that method came to me because I was asked to teach a class in beginning running in 1960, 1974, and none of the 22 people in the class done any running for at least five years so I knew that we were dealing with people that shouldn't be running much if any at first right and that walk breaks had to be a part of that Mm -hmm. and so it was seat of the pants at first I didn't have any (laughs) guidelines nobody had ever identified this at all Mm -hmm. and so what I did is is did a little version of what we use and call the Magic Mile now. Uh, We just took a little uh, lap around this park. And uh, the group naturally subdivided into groups, other groups that were at the same fitness level. So they were able to stay together for the whole class 10 weeks long. And uh, this also really became a further blueprint for our Galloway training programs. But um, I went with every group, every workout, and made sure that they took walk breaks. Okay. And so I observed firsthand what was happening, and I used huffing and puffing as my (laughs) guideline because that's our natural heart rate monitor. And sure enough, at the end of the class, every one of the members finished either 5 or 10K but the best part for me, no injuries. And right. I'd never been with a group of uh, 20 or more runners that had run together for a couple of months with no injuries. Especially beginners. Especially beginners. And so, and and the other thing was, because of the group support and the fact that we held them back due to the walk breaks, almost every one of them continued to run over the next six months as I monitored their mm-hmm. uh, Success.
0: That's amazing. So what is the magic mile for those who don't know?
1: Well, again, if you use your conscious brain, then you can, in your running behavior, stay away from the negativity that the monkey brain will produce under stress. Mm-hmm. You always have a choice of which gains control. If you just go out and put one foot in front of the other, then you'll trigger the monkey brain. And then you're susceptible to all the negatives that come as a result of that. And but this,
0: the monkey brain is in charge of beginner runners, for sure.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Because it's the reason we don't want to go... I call it RIP, running in public. It's the reason begin reason beginners don't want to run in public. Because it's embarrassing at first, right?
1: Well, self perceived embarrassing. Right, the bottom course. line is that you're worried about what this motor is driving by is mm-hmm. thinking about you when, in fact... They don't care, <laughs> right. and, and, and this is a person that you'll never meet in your life, right. and you're worrying about their opinion of your running. So, you know, but...
0: But that's monkey brain, right?
1: But that's the monkey brain. <laughs> so you get into the human brain by having a strategy. Now, run, walk, run is a strategy. The magic mile is a strategy that we use to pick a pace that's safe for people. Okay. It has more than 65,000 instances of data in which people have reported in their fastest magic mile during the season and also their fastest times at various distances so once you crunch the numbers you can figure out very accurately what a person's potential is Mm -hmm. for any given distance now the way we use it in our training programs first is to set up that safe pace for long runs which we do by converting a magic mile time into an all-out marathon pace. The data tells us that you're going to tend to slow down about 30% when you go from a fast one mile in a magic mile, and then you compare that with an all-out per mile pace in a marathon. Okay. And so we take that uh, time in the magic mile, and we multiply it times one3 Okay. to get that 30% add-on. And then we add two more minutes to make sure that people are running slow enough. Mm-hmm. Now, the reality is, we hadn't found any pace that's too slow. But even running a little bit faster than what I just computed mm-hmm. uh, can lead to injury and often leads to injury. And uh, But with the right adjustment in pace and then the right use of run, walk, run, based on that pace, mm-hmm. we just don't see hardly any injuries at all. I mean, that really has reduced our injury rate in our Galloway programs to almost zero.
0: That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the misconceptions is that run, walk would lead to slow. And that is an incredible misconception. It,
1: it is a misconception because the reality is almost every non runner who trains the right way, and then uses the right run, walk, run, improves their time significantly. Mm -hmm. In a half marathon, it's an average of more than seven minutes faster. In a marathon, it's more than 13 minutes faster. And other studies show the other side of that, and that Mm -hmm. is that nonstop runners tend to slow down between five and 12 minutes and a half yeah and in a marathon it's somewhere between 10 minutes and 20 minutes and in, in a full right uh, depending on the the study that goes on so basically what we're doing is we're avoiding that slowdown, and our people are the ones that are passing all the way to the finish I line you,
0: i tell you before i knew of the galloway method I had been behind and running with several of your students. And I only know they're your students now because of the way they were running. But they would go ahead and then they would slow it. I would pass them. and then it, But I would play leapfrog with them the entire race until about mile 10 when they would leave me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, what are these people doing? The run walkers are making me crazy. But it's brilliant. Until I did it in Ironman Louisville, I couldn't believe it.
1: Well, it really goes back to what we were designed to do. I'm reading a book now called The Story of the Human Body, written by an evolutionary biologist from Harvard who spent 50 years documenting the anthropological and archaeological evidence on our ancestors and what behavior patterns they did. And he believes, as do a whole series of anthropologists that study that same era, primitive man, that We weren't designed to run more than 200 yards at one time. Now, we can definitely train ourselves to run nonstop for very long distances, but we will pay for that. Mm -hmm. We increase our injury risk dramatically. We're going to slow down due to exhaustion, and we're going to have to recover an incredibly long time. Even if you compare the time in a marathon Uh, and the recovery time after a marathon at the same pace for the same individual. The uh, individual, when the individual takes run, walk, run, the time is not only faster, but they're able to celebrate with their friends and family (laughs) afterwards. And they can go out and run the next day or the day after that. I mean, it's all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff.
0: Right. Right. So tell us, what is your fastest race using the run-walk method?
1: Well, actually, I set my lifetime PR in the marathon of 216, uh, taking walk breaks. It 216. Was very, yeah, it's the very first time that I had ever taken walk breaks in a marathon. But the story behind that is that I had started using my method on practically every run in two years before that, 1978. Uh-huh. and. I just love the fact that I had control over how I felt. For the right. first time in my running career, my method um, was revealed to me, even though I'd been using it <laughs> to teach others. Right. Now I was using it myself, and wow, you know, yeah. I can't believe that I came up with this thing. Right. But um, what happened in that marathon, it was the Houston Tenneco Marathon, uh-huh. uh, and um, I had, it was. Humid, it was very humid that day, and I really needed to get some water early on. So approximately two miles, I pulled off, grabbed a cup of water, and sipped it for about 15, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I caught right back up with the people that I was running, even at five, just over five minutes per mile pace. I, I, the next mile, I caught back up with them. I kept doing that about every two miles. And the main difference that I noticed, which most people also notice who convert from non-stop to run, walk, run, is that at the end, I didn't slow down. Mm-hmm. And in most of my fast marathons up until that point, I slowed down between two and three and a half minutes, kept the same pace all the way through, and ran a two-minute PR.
0: That's incredible. 2.16, I, that's close to my half marathon. <laughs> PR
1: job. Yeah, well, you know, I I started to get into, you know, my uh, progression here, and yeah. I really didn't make a whole lot of progress year to year. I made a little bit, you know, all through high school and college, but I went into the Navy for three years, and when I got out, it was 1970, two years before the Olympic trials, and all I wanted to do is just see if I could qualify to get in the trials. Yeah. But I was quite a ways away from it at that point. And that's when I really started focusing. And I really gave myself projections for every six months. And then whacked away every month leading up to that yeah. six-month Time so,
0: and you, you had specific goals. Did you set them long term? So you had like two years and you set I had two years to go, goals in
1: but I knew what the Olympic uh, trials standard was. Right. And so I knew what I had to do to get into the trials. And I didn't try to do that the first six months. I tried mm-hmm. to, you know, get about uh, one third of it, you know, a little fudge factor. I had four, <laughs> four of those, and so each... Each six months, I tried to get one-third of it.
0: Right, right. And,
1: you know, sometimes I'd make it, sometimes I wouldn't. But overall, I was making it. Um, I hadn't qualified for the trials and the marathon, um, but I was close six months before the trials. And I was given an invite to go to the inter-service Marathon championships, mm-hmm. having been just recently uh, in the Navy, they allowed me to participate. So uh, it was at Eglin Air Force Base. And uh, I, ha- again, I focused, I knew what I had to do, and I had some great weather, actually. I had a, a, a huge tailwind for the last 10 miles, and uh, set uh, about a four minute PR in that race okay, and qualified nice. for the trials.
0: My goodness. So um, I have a lot of questions. Go right ahead. My people. I'm ready. So I posted on social media that I was sitting down with you and people, I said, what questions do you have for Jeff? And the interesting thing that um, most people, not a lot of people had questions for you, but a lot of people had gratitude towards you. I mean, just everyone said, you know, I don't have any questions, but tell them thank you. Thank you for getting... Me through my marathon thank you for allowing me to continue to run injury free so that is the main message coming from my people jeff so I thank you so much
1: greatly appreciate that we are a community and i'm just out there trying to help people yeah. and i love that feedback
0: and the non- one question was what's in your refrigerator
1: <laughs> <laughs> well not much right now, because we've been on a series of trips. And you so travel
0: a lot with your wife. 70%
1: you? of the time we're on wow. the road. And so uh, we just got back last night. So, but but let's just say that we were in town for a week or more. Mm-hmm. We have uh, salad fixings. We, uh, our, our standard fare in, in the evening, which is our major meal, is to have the basis of a salad. Uh-huh. So we'll have salad greens. And then we'll usually have uh, grilled fish or grilled chicken Uh that we will have with it. Mm -hmm. And there are some other variations on that. But Barb is just a great cook, particularly in the seasonings for all these various things. Mm -hmm. So it always tastes great. And (laughs) it's just... Healthy, I mean, yeah. and she'll put different vegetables every night in in the salad, but yeah. it's always just good. Oh,
0: you're so sweet. So how long have y'all been married?
1: 41 years.
0: 41 years. I met Barb, um, I met both of you actually coming back from the Cayman Marathon, and you guys are just so nice. She's she's precious. Well,
1: you know know, to... you know why we got together. We met on the track at FSU. Did you? Yeah.
0: I'll forgive you for going to FSC. Well,
1: that's okay. <laughs> you know, we, we agree to disagree. That's right. That's right.
0: Okay, so one question was, when doing the run-walk method, what is the best type of workout to increase speed?
1: Well, the, there are two, uh, but, but the number one way to improve speed is to increase the length of your long run, and I have lots of data on that. Uh, those who used to run 10 miles, Uh, in before uh, half marathons and moved up to our recommendation of 14 to finish
0: okay
1: improve an average of around seven minutes and those who have run 14 as their longest run and want to set a pr or something and go up to 19 another seven minutes in the marathon it's even more dramatic when you go from 20 miles as the longest run up to 26, which is what we do in our programs. Mm-hmm. There's an average of more than 15 minutes of, of time improvement. And when people want to qualify for Boston or set a personal record, right. uh, they will go up to 29 miles. It's only three more miles, but the average improvement is 11 minutes. Wow! So there's a huge amount, if you just lengthen the long run, even doing it, super slow, two so, minutes per mile slower than you're running in a marathon currently.
0: But that's when your method becomes so important because most people couldn't possibly do a 29-mile run continuously.
1: That's correct. They, uh, If they would, they'd be wiped out. Right. But they don't have to be with the right run, walk, run. As a matter of fact, the most common statement that's made by people who used to run nonstop and then were able to push their long runs up, mm-hmm. uh, and let's say the, the group that runs 29 miles, they felt better after a 29-miler than they used to feel running 20 nonstop. Right. Over and over again, I hear that.
0: And all of these people running the 29 miles, they're each doing a different interval. That's, that's correct. best for them.
1: Yes, it's what is best for the individual. But the bottom line is that, well... Each person has to find what works for the individual. We have guidelines based on the feedback from over 500,000 people. So we're constantly processing what types of strategies work for certain paces. And Mm -hmm. so we have those guidelines. For example, what are you looking to run in, a say, a fast half marathon during the next year?
0: I mean, I would love to break two hours. Okay, that so would be it's a, a nine-minute
1: pace, mm-hmm. and there are two that are most popular now. One is to run for two minutes and walk 30 seconds, and the other one is to run 90 seconds and walk 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So uh, play with that. And what we recommend and, and do uh, in our training groups is uh, suggest one day a week be devoted to some race pace segments of half a mile in which you run the pace that you want to run in your next race per half mile. And you walk two or three minutes between. You do four to six of these every Tuesday or Thursday. And you try a different run, walk, run on each one. Okay. And by the end of the season, you know which ones work best.
0: It's funny. I mean, just a difference between thirty seconds here and there is is everything. It is. I mean, and you don't know that until you... I mean, you can do the magic mile and do the pick the guidelines. Yes, but you recommend continuing to tweak and listen exactly. to your body. Yeah.
1: And the most popular ones for an individual these days mm-hmm. tend to be quirky ones. For example, uh, my favorite right now on my daily runs when I'm just running through the neighborhood. Uh, is running 22 seconds and walking 11, and you know, yeah. I just tried different things, and that's my go-to currently. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, that could change. But uh, and do you set your watch to beep at you? Yep, yeah. sure do. Okay. Oh yeah, I I become like Pavlov's dog, listening <laughs> to our Galloway timer tell me what to do. Uh huh. Great.
0: Um, okay, so you said you run your neighborhood. What are some of your other favorite places to
1: run? In the Atlanta area or other areas.
0: Let's do Atlanta.
1: Okay. Here. (laughs) Um, Well, I like the um, Columns Drive area, Uh which is nearby. Right. And and that the best part about that for me are the uh, trails that go up the hill, Uh, and I love running up in the hills and and going on the single tracks up there. Uh Um, The other area that's right uh, connected to that system is on the north side of Johnson's Ferry Road. So instead of going columns, if you go on the other side, there's a parking lot right there along right, Johnson's Ferry, right. and you can take off, and it goes quite a ways on a single track. Uh-huh. Uh, there are a couple of places you have to walk over pipes. That's the oh. only... <laughs> it's, it's huge, huge drainage pipes. Uh-huh. Um, and if you're skittish about that, you... you You can still do about a a two-mile to two-and-a-half-mile loop, but if you don't mind, you know, walking over this huge pipe, the world just goes on and on of the single-track trails. It's really really neat.
0: Well, you and Barb travel all over, so what are some of your other favorite places? Well,
1: our long-term favorite is at Lake Tahoe where we do our summer running retreat. Uh and. We go on a different trail every day, and it's spectacular. It's just uh, beautiful scenery, vistas. Um, most of the trails are, are just wonderful trails. There may be a few sections where you have to walk through some rocks or something, but there are not many of them. The ones we choose are really, really great. Right. But the vistas and uh, the weather in July and August... 10% humidity. Oh, wow. And high is about 75. You know, it's just ideal running weather. The other area is Carmel, California, where we also hold retreats. I and mean, we have gravitated towards those two areas mm-hmm. simply because the running is so wonderful. Yeah. We do uh, Carmel retreats four times a year now, wow. and they're just fabulous. And are
0: you personally at all of those? Oh, this?
1: I, ever, I wouldn't miss those at all. That's awesome, Jeff.
0: Um, Okay, so another question is, what suggestions do you have for improving running mechanics?
1: Okay, we have some drills that do that. So uh, the cognitive tool for running more efficiently and getting better form is to do the two drills, which are the cadence drill and the acceleration glider, and they have two different functions. So the cadence drill is a 30-second drill based on the premise of biomechanical research, which states going back 70 years that runners who get faster tend to shorten their stride. So the whole mechanical way you speed up is by having more steps per minute. And the cadence drill helps facilitate that. So you're timing yourself for 30 seconds. It's best to have um, one of our beepers or some type of a beeper to do that because Mm -hmm. you don't have to keep looking at your watch. But... Uh, You start jogging a few steps and when it beeps, you start counting how many times either your left foot or your right foot touches until it beeps again. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you take a 30-second break. You do the same thing the second time. Try to increase by one count. You go through a set of four to eight in a row. Okay. Each time the mission is to increase by one count. Um, The acceleration glider is a different mission. And that is that you're trying to, first of all, move seamlessly from a walk break into a run and then glide seamlessly back. And you do that through a series of form uh, adjustments. You would ease out of the walk into a shuffle and ease into a slow jog and then ease into a regular uh, daily run pace. Uh And then if you're warming up before a speed workout or a race, then you could add an additional element there, the acceleration. And each one of these is only 8 to 20 steps at a time. So you're not okay. really running very long at each segment. And then after the, uh, you've reached your peak pace, you glide, you, you work on gliding, and, and you uh, use momentum to seamlessly allow you to go down into another walk break without any abrupt change. Mm-hmm. And four to eight of those, once or twice a week, and you may not be seamless at first, but you will teach yourself how so to be.
0: When you say gliding, um, is, is that transition faster for as you run faster, or is the glide the same kind of pace, I guess, or the same sort the of The best interval? way
1: to describe how the glide works uh, would be a situation where you're running down a hill and you come out onto a flat area uh-huh. and you get that boost of momentum out onto the flat that's what gliding is okay uh, but you produce the momentum by this pickup in each one of those segments and then you're just coasting off that momentum okay. back into another shuffle and then into another walk so it's all transitional there's no abrupt change uh-huh. The other major benefit, well, the first benefit, which I didn't uh, highlight, but you mentioned, is that the cadence drill particularly will make you more and more efficient. Because when you start counting, you activate your human brain. And Mm -hmm. then the human brain on the left side, that's the counting side, the math side, the logic side. But you also activate the right side of the human brain. The right side is the creative and intuitive side. So you put a mission uh, to have cognitively one more step, and the right side goes to work in figuring out how to do it. And the way it does it is to have a lighter touch of the foot, to shorten stride a little bit, but pick up the cadence, and then to, um, to not get very far off the ground, to have uh, to stay low to the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and those three things really develop smoother and more efficient form, which then translates into running faster. Right. The acceleration glider can also be fine-tuned to help you pick up when you need to at the end, mm-hmm. and, and by being transitional and practicing those accelerations you're getting near the end of the race and you want to try to do that. Well, if you hadn't prepared for it, it's just not gonna happen. But Once you do the acceleration gliders, four to eight of those once or twice a week, you're ready to do that. Uh, Also, a lot of runners will use a set of cadence drills when they start to slow down at the end of the race. And I've heard just amazing stories about how they've been able to pick it right up. They figured that their race was over and it wasn't because they had prepared themselves by doing the cadence drill.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the questions I had was um, several people said, you know, I've been doing the run-walk, but I'm not getting faster. But I think you just answered that. I think those two drills.
1: The two drills, the longer long runs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to do some speed work if you want to get faster. Okay. And, and so that's the other major component of a speed training program. And uh, in our program... The speed work is designed for what event you're training for. There's no one-size-fits-all. If you're going for the half marathon, half-mile repetitions have worked best. And so you would run uh, 15 seconds faster than you want to run per half mile in your goal half marathon. Mm -hmm. And you would start with four of them. You would walk three minutes between each one. And each workout, you'd add two additional until you get up to 14 of them at the end of the season. And the mindset as well as the physical uh, uh, stresses that are on you, uh, by the end of those workouts, are very similar to what you're going to have at the end of a race. And that's the point. You know, right. You have to really simulate that. You have to be tired and still keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's what those workouts do. So the half-mile repetitions for the half marathon... Mm-hmm and one-mile repetitions for the marathon. Mm -hmm. Same format, start with four, add two additional, get up to 14 of them by the end of the season, two weeks before your race. Uh And then during the marathon, one-mile repetitions, uh, it is good to put some form of a walk break in those Mm -hmm. uh, because that is going to teach you how to go into a walk break when you're into your race pace.
0: Right, but that's a different workout entirely than your long run. That's Absolutely. For, that's the speed yeah, work. That's workout. the speed work. Yeah.
1: And, th- and those are run at a pace, both the half miles for half marathon and the one miles for the marathon are run 30 seconds per mile faster than you want to run in your race. Right. And uh, those have produced uh, that extra bump up. So you get improvement from the form drills, Mm-hmm. Uh, and reduction in injuries. Right, you get improvement in going longer on long runs, and then you get an extra boost from doing the speed work too. Right. Uh, so you do have to do some quality training in order to improve your time. Right. Right.
0: So if you have someone coming to you that's a baby runner, like they they're injury prone and heavy and just kind of hopeless I mean I run into people all the time that started where I did which was I ran eight minutes in a row on the treadmill and I had bruises on the bottom of my feet and I thought I don't know how I'm going to do this I kept going and I you know but what do you tell people like if when how do you take the beginner runner I mean you mentioned finding the magic mile and stuff but I know you're also very big into motivating like what are some of the things you tell people, just from the kindness of your heart, which I know
1: you do. Well, it's not the kindness of my heart, but it's the knowledge in my brain. It's uh, both, Jeff. You're
0: a kind person. I
1: appreciate that. But uh, really, my whole outlook on what running does for you was cemented and then expanded when I researched my mental training book. And what I discovered uh, is that uh, 20 years ago, SAFE... Brain scanning devices were developed to be able to allow scientists to see what types of behaviors turn on which circuits in the brain. Mm -hmm. And it has been discovered that running turns on the circuits for a better attitude, for more vitality, and for personal empowerment better than any other activity ever studied. Thousands of studies worldwide so when a beginner comes to me Mm -hmm. I say you know here's what I suggest as your goal Mm -hmm. go for turning these circuits on yes and you will change your life and I hear people tell me that every day of the year and and they're amazing stories now the other thing I tell them is never has to hurt yeah you can totally take away the pain the puking, and (laughs) the other negatives, if you have the right run, walk, run. It really is all about run, walk, run. And so we have our guidelines, but for beginners, we will often start them out with no more than five seconds of running and 55 seconds of walking. And then they gradually work down to 30 seconds of walking, and then at that point, they can start fiddling with a little bit more running, a little bit less walking, or just settle in any given day on what works best for them. And right. so by doing uh, some experimentation, everybody can find what works for them on a given day. Right. But you never have to get into that by changing the run, walk, run. And the most common mistake I see people making with my method is that they lock on to this. Uh, amount of running amount of walking a strategy that works for say the winter months and then it starts getting hot so they go out and they're doing the same thing and they overheat and they're getting miserable mm-hmm. if they adjust would adjust yeah they run walk run they get everything back under control
0: mm-hmm. so what advice do you have for triathletes
1: well i have trained uh, an Several dozen, I, you know, I, I don't train a lot of triathletes, but I actually have one triathlete I'm training now who is approaching, he's 69 years old, and he's ranked internationally in his age group. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I tell them to keep an open mind about shorter segments of running and of walking. And he will often use no more than 15 or 20 seconds of running in his halves or his fulls, mm-hmm. and he's ranked up in the top four to five in the country year after year after year. And he wasn't ranked that high when he was running more yeah. and walking less.
0: So, do you think the same sort of training methods apply for the speed work and the half and? yes for but,
1: but the deal is, you only you only have to run three days a week, uh, and and. So in my method, when I'm training somebody that's very competitive in the triathlon, then I suggest the same things that I would for someone competitive in a running event. Mm-hmm. And that is Tuesday is a day of drills, and then race pace, half miles. right? And then you could do... Actually, you could even have a brick workout starting with a bike ride before that. hmm uh, and that really gets you uh, to use the, the cadence drill and the acceleration glider as a good transition, which I've also heard that people do use that. Right. Um, and then uh, oftentimes they learn how to adjust the run-walk-run based on how they're feeling coming off the bike. Right. Uh, and so that's real-world stuff is always good. The second workout uh, on Thursday... I do recommend doing the drills, four to eight of each of those if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you could make that a brick day too. But then I do recommend some hills uh, after the drills because, let's face it, you're going to have hills
0: right.
1: somewhere and you're racing. And right. so doing segments of anywhere from uh, 50 yards or even 30 yards for a beginner um, and then a, a very advanced competitor – would go up to between 100 and 300 yards and working on shortening stride as they go up the hill segment, mm-hmm. uh, then walking at the top, and then practice downhill running. Best form I found for that is to keep your feet low to the ground, have a light touch of the foot, and don't let your stride get too long. Keep it relatively short mm-hmm. and work on turnover. And that's cadence. the same
0: way running uphill, right? You want short,
1: short strides. It is. Threads. It yeah. sure is. Uh, course even shorter stride uh, going uphill keep feet low to the ground light touch of the foot and keep shortening your stride down to baby steps if you need to
0: yeah i had a sprint triathlon last year and one of the pro triathletes finished and she was running by me and, and i know her and and she said come on let's run together and i was just having kind of a rotten day and i was trying to be positive but it just was rotten and we were going uphill and she's like you need to prance Prance, 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 and she was talking about taking little steps. And every time I run hills now, I think, oh, I'm prancing because I'm doing these little, but it works. It works really Baby well. Baby
1: steps with a light touch. Yeah. As long as you're not bouncing off the ground, that is a, that's the way to go. That's the, that's what I found.
0: Yeah. I like to tell my husband to
1: prance. There prance, you go. Prance,
0: prance, He's like, what are you saying? I'm uh, not prancing.
1: <laughs> well, we men do have some problems with, <laughs> with words prancing. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes.
0: Um, So, Jeff, everyone can find your books and your programs via your website, right? JeffGalloway.com?
1: That's correct. Okay.
0: And what about some of these retreats? Tell us about those.
1: They are just a mind-expanding way to get more involved with running, nutrition, uh, and motivation, and, and every aspect of running. So we have clinics in each area of that, and we individualize. So... Uh, almost everybody has some major question in each area. They don't usually come in with them. But then once they're there, people start asking questions. And, oh, yeah, I'm having that problem too. What can I do about that? But it's just a really motivating session. And you come away with at least six months of motivation from them. Uh Um, And the people are just fantastic. I mean, you, you know how great runners are. Yeah. Well, when they're in a, a, a retreat, it's even better. Yeah. I mean, lifelong friendships are forged there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the retreats um, also give you a chance to test out some trail running if you'd like to, but if you're afraid of that, there are always options that you can run on a paved surface mm-hmm. in beautiful surroundings.
0: Yeah, well let's talk about the two events you have coming up in September and December. Um, that people can get involved in and come take a part of a little bit of Galloway.
1: We do. We have um, the largest corporate fitness event in Georgia, which is the Kaiser Permanente Corporate Run Walk, and it's a fabulous event. It it brings thousands of new fitness people in because we have an eight-week Get in Shape program. Uh-huh. So as an individual or as a uh, person from your company or organization – uh, it, it's a team builder, yeah. and and you have people uh, coming off the couch or away from their desk, <laughs> and uh, and getting started because a lot of companies have used this as their wellness program. This year, we have a number of new things. The first one is a virtual version. So uh, you have a date on a calendar. Well only about one-fourth or maybe one-third of the people can actually be there at that time. Well, we have a virtual now. So uh, in any given company, you can have the team building go on for every person in the company. Over half of our people walk the 5K Mm -hmm. on September 7th. Uh, But everybody can be involved. And the camaraderie that builds as a result of the virtual is really amazing. Um, The other... Major changes uh, are in our venue. We have been out of Turner Field for the last 22 23 years. Uh, Because they're tearing that area up, we can't use it anymore. And we have found a much better venue. It is the Georgia World Congress Center, Sea Hall. Uh, So you have air conditioning before the start, then you come back after the race, you're in air conditioning. Uh, Companies have booths to gather Mm -hmm. uh, and MARTA access. Oh, that's nice. Uh, We also have an extra layer of police protection due to the Georgia World Congress Center police force. So you're really protected, and it's just a a wonderful venue. We're very excited about this. I
0: haven't been to the World Congress Center since I took the bar exam, so I'll have to like come to the event and wipe the bar exam out of my head. <laughs> you do. You do.
1: But I'll tell you uh what's great about Hall C is it's right out at the intersection of Northside and Ivan Allen.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: we just move right out of the hall right onto Ivan that's Allen awesome. and start and then we come in from Northside right into the hall. It is so convenient.
0: That is extremely convenient. Anyone that's done a big race knows how convenient That's great, Jeff. Yeah, we're going to
1: spoil people. Oh,
0: well, good. Spoiling's good. (laughs) And then tell me about the Jeff and Barb Galloway weekend.
1: Yes, we have been asked for more than 30 years to have our own race weekend. Mm -hmm. So three years ago, we initiated, and this will be our fourth edition of the Barb Galloway 5K, the Jeff Galloway Half Marathon, and it's going to be on the 16th and 17th of December okay. we um, also have a kids race and it's free so and we have medals for the kids Oh, wonderful! so and those it's they're so cute and, yeah. and it, it is just so neat to watch the kids get involved and and get so excited yeah. about fitness and of course wear their medal just so proudly right so uh, that is on the 16th with Barb's 5k Uh, also has a medal and if you do both of them you can win the double g medal Uh and spectacular medals yeah very good
0: well jeff i appreciate your time i have one more question for you so this podcast is called the same 24 hours and it means that we all have the same 24 hours in our day but it's what we do each day consistently that makes the difference between our health and happiness and success so What is something you do on a daily, consistent basis that's made all the difference in your life?
1: Well, the one consistent theme that has really changed my attitude when there's a lot of stress going on with projects Mm -hmm. and things is a series of mantras, positive mantras. I can do this. I'm going to feel better when I do this. Uh, I have hidden strengths Uh, one more step I can always do one more step one more walk break and whatever applies to the individual uh, that starts the process of moving into the human conscious brain and then if you set up a step-by-step plan after that you'll change your life every day
0: yeah well thank you Jeff I really appreciate it
1: you're doing a great job thank you (laughs)